So, happy Mother's Day. Thank you all for the timeless and countless prayers that you have bestowed on your children, your sons and your daughters. I said that this is going to be a sermon that does not involve mothers, and as you can see, you could probably get a pretty good picture why. We are continuing and we are concluding our series on the book of Ephesians. For those of you that are avid Bible study um, or like to read your Bible, you will quickly associate what I'm wearing with where I'm going. And so this morning, I wanted to spend a few minutes uh, with you talking about something that is familiar to some of you as veterans, uh, but I want to speak to you from a, a pastoral perspective. So I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Ephesians. And, let me, and before I read, we're going to pray, but I also want to say this. The enemy is working hard to distract you from today's message. Okay? If you have had a bad week, it was with the intention for you not to be here. If you have gone through struggles, and if it's been a difficult and challenging week, to the point where you are fatigued. It's the enemy's plan to keep you from coming to hear this. So this is just as serious as you've ever heard a message been given. This applies not just to you, but it applies to me, to all of us. This is just a prop. But what we're going to cover is not a prop. It's reality. So with that in mind, I invite you to bow your heads with me as we pray. Father God, I thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to come together. And as we open your word, as we study and glean from your, the scriptures, you have written through thousands of years Scriptures that point us to Jesus. I pray, Father, that you will open our hearts and our minds to hear you speaking to us. Individually, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The texts that we are going to cover today are found in the book of Ephesians chapter 6, more specifically verses 10 through 20. Ten verses that are pretty interesting to read through. And it begins this way. The words are on the screen. Um, this is not the right presentation. Okay. 
sure is. It sure is. Um, let's continue. And Danielle, if you have it, great. If you don't, that's okay. We'll, all right. So we'll read from, from my Bible. The words will be on the screen Short, shortly. Uh, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Let's pause here for a minute. How many commands have you heard in, this, in these three verses? How many commands? A couple, a few. Can you highlight a few for me? Put on the whole armor of God, okay? Stand. These are imperatives, right? These are imperatives. These are the ones that talk about what you must do. And let me tell you something. Nobody likes to be told what to do. Nobody. If you are a Christian and somebody tells you what you have to do, you say, I don't have to do any of that. If you're not a Christian, you probably have a, choice, a few choice words to tell them where they can go. Nobody, nobody likes to be told what to do. But Paul is, in the way he has structured this, he is telling them what they must do. That's exactly what an imperative is. You must, you shall. Put on. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You have to do this. But what is strikingly clear to me is that most often when I, when I have spoken with individuals and I ask them, what's going on? How's it going? Oh, we're doing good. Oh, are you really? No, I, I, I'm going through some things. Okay, do you need any help? Oh, no, no, I got this. The, the, the message is, I can do this on my own. We start looking at ourselves. We start looking at the perspective of, I can handle what's been given to me. After all, didn't Paul say that, God will not give me anything more than what I can handle. But Paul here is very clear. Be strong. That doesn't mean you're going to be able to withstand everything by yourself. Because he follows these words with this sentence. Put on, 
Be strong in the Lord. It is not by your power. It is not by your own strength. It is not by your own ability to cope with stress. It is not by your own discernment. But it is God's strength that is going to help you to be strong. He, he prefaces this very clearly because can uh, Mary can you mute me for a minute Thank you. So, where was I? Can't do it on your own. own. (laughs) Definitely can't do this on my own. (laughs) Paul is emphatic in saying that be strong in the Lord because it's what comes afterwards. It's not because you're strong. It's not because you have studied. It's not because you have gone through experiences that allow you to understand, oh, this happened, therefore I'm going to make this decision. He's saying your battle is not against flesh and blood. Your battle is not against another human being. Your battle is against the spiritual realm, that which you and I cannot see. We call this the great controversy. You see, very often, we don't talk about this as much as they used to in the good old days. Let me be very clear. When was the last time you heard about a sermon that talked about devils and demons? We have gotten so used to hearing how powerful the blood of Christ is. We look at the happy ending, but we forget about the battle that takes place every single day. And so here, Paul is saying, listen, you need to understand what's going on. You're going to fight battles that are beyond your understanding. You do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against the spiritual hosts of the wickedness in the heavenly places. You see, it's not the person who's the issue that you're dealing with. It's the forces that are working behind the scenes in that person you're dealing with that's creating that havoc. 
when we forget that there is a world war out there outside of our physical sphere, we treat everything the same. We then start to looking at it within ourselves, around us, something to hold on to, something that will help us to get, get strength and garner the, the, the mustard, if you, if you want to put it that way, to be able to handle these issues because we are forgetting about what is actually happening behind the scenes. And so we get tired and we get weary. The other day, coming in, I think it was three or four weeks, Kendall met me at the door coming into the church. He's like, hey, pastor, how are you doing? And I said, I'm tired. And his reply was, everybody's tired. You remember that? <laughs> everybody's tired. But maybe we are too tired because of our own undoing. Maybe we are too tired because we are looking at the battle that we face and we think it's something that we can handle within our strength, within our ability to grasp or be able to put things in the right shelves and say and compartmentalize struggles and challenges and difficulties and say, I can do this. When in reality, the battle is beyond what you can see with a naked eye. Therefore, the therefore is there for a reason. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand, excuse me, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. You know, you can withstand on your own, but once it's done, you will not be standing. In order for you to stand, and to withstand, you have to have the entirety of God's armor on you. I need a volunteer. Ty. Maya, you're taking pictures. <laughs> All right. I got something for you, okay? And I am going to preface this that I have brought nothing that will cause harm to anybody. Are we clear? Are we? All right. So, the first part of all this, it says what? Therefore, stand therefore, having girded your waist with what? Truth. All right. I could do this but I'm not going to because you will see here in a little bit. Have you ever put one of these on before? 
not this, right? Okay. This may be a little bit too big. We'll adjust it. Yeah. We'll adjust it. Okay. And this may be too big. But you get the picture. All right. There's a a strap that goes around your thigh. I'm not going to do that for you. I'll let you do that. It's right here. And it goes in here and it clips out there. Does that make sense? There's a rubber. You you can feel there's a rubber part. So this goes in between your legs with the rubber part inside. And the reason for that is so it doesn't slip. Okay? Okay. There you go. All right. Now, this, is, this belt is designed for an adult. You're not there yet. The belt is called the belt of what? Truth. Did you know that the word truth here is also the same word that is used to describe integrity? It's not truth for the sake of having, we know that one plus one is two, right? Would that be true? Well, what if I said one plus one is two and a half? That's not true. But true in the sense of its purest form in the Bible, it is associated with personal integrity. The belt of truth. Being a person of truth means that you are a person of integrity. A person who continues to live in a way that is is unreproachable. Gird yourself with your waist with truth. The belt also, in Roman times, obviously this is a modern belt for warfare, um, it served a dual purpose. It served because back then they didn't have a soldier's outfit like this. This is really comfortable. Back then they had a tunic that was kind of a, a, a one piece. And so as they moved, they, they needed a belt in which to be able to hang the sword with, but also it provided stability. It strengthened their lower back, and it also meant that something was about to happen that they could move freely to accomplish the task. When we gird ourselves with truth, we are also preparing ourselves for a task. Hold on to that thought. It's highlighted in another place. And it says, having put on the what? The breastplate of? Face that way. Now, Tyler, I'm taking it easy on you. Because uh-huh. this does not have the breastplate. Or this thing would have, been, would have weighed anywhere between 25 to 50 pounds. So in this modern breastplate, there is a steel plate that goes here in the front and one in the back. It goes to, it goes to show that when they wore the, the armor and when Paul and where Paul is writing this from, 
he could envision a Roman soldier, but when they put it on, back then it was of hard leather. It helped to protect the vital organs of the body. But the Bible here says, and, and what Paul is writing about, is that we are to put on, having, having put on the breastplate of what? Righteousness. Oh, I love this part. Paul always associates righteousness with justification. So what that means is that even though the breastplate of righteousness, it means that you are worthy of something. You're worthy of life. That's what this is for. You protect yourself to keep on living. But righteousness in the context of theology that Paul associates with justice, it means that somebody stands in your place as though you have not been found guilty, even though you are. When the devil is attacking you, somebody is standing in your place before God saying, he's mine. The righteousness is Jesus' righteousness over you. When we put on this, the breastplate of righteousness, we are saying, Jesus, you have covered me. Because the devil will tempt you. He is going to put on thoughts in your head that you are worthless, that you are unworthy, that you do not deserve to be called a child of God because of your sin or because of your thoughts or because of your proclivities or whatever it may be. These thoughts will permeate your head, making you think, uh, I, I can't go to church. They'll never accept me. It's not church you need to be worried about. It's yourself before God. And if Jesus has said, I am your righteousness, I am the one who's going to stand in that gap. What do we have to fear? We have absolutely nothing to fear because Jesus is my righteousness. But Paul continues. Ty, I'm not giving you my boots. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You got, feet, you got shoes on. Somebody once said that the gospel is good news. But there's nothing like bringing good news. There's nothing like hearing good news. And that's what the shoes were for. You see, you couldn't go to battle without, thing, without sandals on your feet as they wore back then. You still can't go to battle today without boots. You can't go to a track meet without shoes. You can't play baseball without cleats. You can't play soccer, the real football. <laughs> Sorry to burst your bubble. Without cleats. We call them boots. We have them. We wear them for a reason. And that is why it says here, the gospel of peace. 
when we, have, when we live with integrity and have Jesus put on, on us, we bring good news. That is the function of the shoes. But Paul doesn't end there. Above all else, taking the shield of faith. Excuse me for a minute. You got it? You got it? All right. So... I'm going to give you a hint. You can put your rest on your forearm there and grab here. Is that better? Slightly? No? Okay. Is it getting heavy? Not yet. Shield of faith. Paul, no doubt, was looking at a Roman soldier from where he's writing this. The Roman shield was, was made of wood, two layers of wood, covered in cloth and then wrapped in leather. And then it was bound, as you can see, in this shield. Back then, it didn't have this. But in this shield, you see a, an element that goes around it. In the Roman shield, that was metal. And before they go to war they would soak the shield in water. Why? What else does it say here? Shield of faith with which you are able to quench all fiery darts of the wicked one. If it starts getting heavy, feel free to put it on the ground. You good? All right. So when a Roman soldier went to battle with a heavy shield, remember, it's now waterlogged. The reason why they waterlogged it is because people would shoot arrows with fire, fiery arrows. And once it hit or perforated the first part, because it was so full of water, it would extinguish and wipe away the danger from having been shot at with an arrow. When we take the shield, all of Satan's attacks, no matter how fiery they may be, will be quenched. But I also want you to notice there's there's another reason why they call this faith. Who's willing to test it? When you go into battle, you need to have an understanding that things can go wrong, and most often things in battle do go wrong. And if you have been in the military, you'll understand. There's always a mess up somewhere, somehow. But in battle, you need to trust your equipment, and you need to understand how it functions. And you need to, not only that, one of the things that they did 
they would line each other next to each other and need you to hold the shield in front of you, please. They would take the stands and they would line up, and the commander would say, Testudo, which is not Portuguese for big forehead. It means shell, like a turtle. And they would come together and make like a turtle shell around each other. And they would protect each other in that manner. Hear me now. Because faith always means, means also that you are entrusting the person next to you with your life. In a church, we need to be able to get to that point. We need to be able to entrust with our brothers and sisters that are battling in this warfare with our life and coming together and lining up and protecting in all directions. It wasn't just the front. They would take the shield, put a gr- three, four in the front, three, four on top, three, four on the side. We surround each other to protect each other. That is my dream for this church. Let me be very honest, we're not there yet. But we can get there. We can get there. So let's continue. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. The Roman soldier, a Roman soldier's helmet was made out of metal. Looking at the history of of warfare, looking at the helmets that our soldiers would wear from, as far as we can tell, we've come quite a long ways. But the only thing that would penetrate a Roman helmet was an axe or hammer. So it was heavy. Would you like to wear this every day? It it gets heavy, doesn't it? You're doing great. If we can't protect our mind, we've lost the battle. Our thoughts need to be focused on Christ. Our thoughts need to be focused on the heavenly things. That's why Jesus said, don't store treasures here on this earth, but worry about the moth that can get to it. Store your treasures in heaven where there no moth will eat it away. Salvation. Your thoughts, what you think of others, what you think of yourselves matter. 
And most likely, if you have low self-esteem, it's probably because you don't have all of the armor. You hear me? We're not done yet. And, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, I told you I didn't bring anything that would harm anybody. And that's still true. But you're not going to put this on. Modern warfare, this, this is fake. This is what we would call a sword. A sword was used to attack, but it was, its primary objective was to defend. Because you had control. And when you look at the description of this battle... What did Paul say in the very front, in the very beginning of this text? Let's go back. Be strong in the Lord, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Is it getting heavy? A little bit? You've done great. You can go have a seat. You can take that with you. But I do want it back. I'll get it from you afterwards. Have a seat. Let me ask you a couple of questions. What's missing in this armor? What's missing? Would you say that this is a pretty good, complete armor? You know what's not included in this? Your back. God never wanted and intends for us to stand against the enemies to, with our backs towards them. In order for you to withstand the enemy... First, you need the whole armor, the entire thing that's been just described to you and illustrated. But the stand means that you're in a defensive position. You're not attacking. Why? Because God said, the battle is mine. And Jesus won that battle. He won that battle on the cross. So that we can stand justified even though the flaming arrows is coming your way and it's hitting the shield, it's being extinguished. Even though thoughts of, of worthlessness or, 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 or doubt or, or, or anything that will hinder your in progress from your relationship with God is coming at you like arrows and darts or bullets. Righteousness stands in your place and says, you're mine. You are worthy to be my daughter, to be my son. But there's still one thing that's missing. You see, we can, we can come together 
as a, as a congregation. We can come together as individuals and we can have the whole armor of God. We can stand, but there's one thing that's not in this that most often has been missed. Because Paul takes on this whole thing and he, does, and he ends this segment with this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Being watchful to this end in all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. This is how we're going to grow together. Praying for each other, lifting each other up, persevering. Yes, I know that person may have been a rock in your shoe. You are probably tired, but now you take away the veil. And you begin to understand that all of us are fighting battles that we cannot see. Doesn't that make it a little easier for you to pray for that person? Doesn't that make it a little bit easier for you to want to be around that person and say, hey, I'm, I'm praying for you. I want to see you succeed. We can't succeed as a church. We can't bring the gospel if we're fractured. And how we become together is when Christ calls out testudo. And we come together to protect our own. Why is this important? Because we can't fight the battle by ourselves. There's a saying that no man is an island. But we can together. You know, Paul continues, and he says, And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You see, we're all ambassadors of Christ. The reason why I had Ty come up here was not because I couldn't fit into those, because I can, I put them on, I tried it. Because this, the armor that you saw was something visual. But just as the battles that we fight are spiritual, so is the armor. If we are not engaging in spiritual warfare ourselves, if we are not taking the time to strengthen our commitment to our relationship with Jesus on a daily basis, we're going to be tired. Tired and down. And I pray not out. Amen. How many of you are tired this morning? How many want to say, Lord, take this fatigue away from me? Mm -hmm. 
take this, whatever it is that's preventing me from coming closer to you. Help me to put on the full armor of God. That I may be able to stand and withstand the attacks of the enemy. Mm -hmm. May God bless you.